space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And Dr. Squee. I'm going to enjoy this one. Ah, good one. Yeah, I was just thinking, gone in 60 seconds. That would be a good episode <laughs> title. I like it. I like it. That needs to happen. But um, you could have called this one gone in 60 minutes, and it had almost... Anyway, it's not... It almost that. work. Yeah, it's... I, I, I would buy that one, yeah. It's like called it. Memento Mori, anyway. And this is one of those titles, a bit like Endgame, that every TV show seems to have an episode called Memento Mori. <laughs> the, one that I, the one that jumps to mind is The X-Files. I think it was season four. Um, anyway, it's the episode where Scully confides in Mulder that she's got cancer and it turns out it's all to do with the alien conspiracy and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I think Gillian Anderson entered it for her Emmy nomination that year. Um, don't know if she won. Probably not. Want the best episode. But anyway, the point is, there's a lot of episodes called Memento Mori, and now Star Trek's got one. So there we go. They they resisted a a puntastic yeah. title. I um, mean, they didn't have to go puntastic, but that's such a generic title. And for what, for me, was the um, my favourite episode so far. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been a lot of strong this ones. This is like, a this, really this good episode. I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, I did. yeah. And it brought, it, I think, it brought back a lot of memories. It made me think of Balance of Terror, mm-hmm. one of my favourite episodes from the original series. And The Wolf of Khan, one of my favourite movies. Yeah, definitely. The, the one which made me think of as well is Starship Down from um, DS9. And it, it was called Starship Down, wasn't it? The one where the yeah. Defiant gets beasted. Yeah. And to, to be honest with you, all I kept on thinking was like how much better it was than it. <laughs> it's like sometimes the comparison can't be friendly to the uh, older and, ones. Yeah, and Starship Down itself was sort of heavily inspired by Disaster from TNG. Which, it yep. wasn't a space battle, but it had the something yeah. goes wrong and you've got different pockets of crew working on different problems. and so I was, I, like, I, I was just going to say, I didn't want to insult DS9, but I think it's just how more earnestly this takes mm. it and how these stakes seem so high at all times. And just the, yeah, yeah it really feel, feels like a, a sense of, um, you know, stuff could go really wrong here. Yeah, so sort of once again, we've got, it's a classic Star Trek, well, I say Star Trek, but it, it's a fairly generic sort of sci-fi plot to do is this one. It's like, there's a battle, stuff goes wrong, but it's giving it that modern spin and the sort of Strange New Worlds remix and everything, and I, I don't think they've put a foot wrong with these. You know, if you want to be real no. picky, you can say, oh, well, we've seen it before, but it's like, yeah, there's not much you haven't seen before, you know. Yeah, I think... With that far into TV, it's very hard to do something 100% original. <laughs> well, there is, and this is the thing. It's like, you know, I know the you know, it's debatable, isn't it? But the, the, there is the argument that there's only seven stories or whatever it is. You know, people differ yeah. <laughs> on how many there are, but there's, there's certain archetypes. But what's fun is taking these new characters and new actors 
and new special effects and everything and saying, okay, how do they deal with that situation? Yeah. And that's what we're doing with this yeah. one. And with the comments which I've made previously about the portrayal of Spock and the way it's written, this was the most Spock-like from the original series we've seen yet because there's just <laughs> yeah. that wonderful moment. I know I'm jumping ahead a lot. No, bit, okay. I, just, I just didn't want to miss it when we get to the point. It's a bit weird, like uh, he goes, um, I mean, yeah, yeah, we could go in there, but we'd almost certainly be killed. It's like, yeah, so I, I think Spock's right. We should go in there. Yeah. That's not what I said. You know? <laughs> very original series, and I, I took great delight in that bit. Yeah, I thought you'd like that bit when I saw it. Yeah, and, and I agree. I think Spock was very Spocky this episode. Um, and, and it allowed Pike to be very pikey. You know, we, we've yeah. got the fact that he is very... Um, jovial and very kind of like charming with it. It's like, so even though he's ignoring Spock, you feel like he just charms everyone instantly. Sort of long, in terms of kind of long-term storytelling and things like that, I wonder if the fact that we've got Pike, who's a little bit of a maverick, and Spock's worked closely with him, I wonder if that's what makes it so that he becomes such good friends with Kirk he's like, oh, I know how to deal with a captain that's a yeah, bit like this. possibly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it's like, I mean, I, I love the fact that there are similarities certainly between Pike and Kirk, but they're definitely not the same character. Like, you feel like uh, uh, Pike's a lot more empathetic. Mm. He's able to, even in kind of like battle situations, he's probably going to be like making a little charming joke, whereas Kirk would be probably a bit more earnest in that situation. So it's really nice to have that that common thread which makes it feel like the original series but without being a clone. So yeah. That, that's so well done. Pike. Yeah, like like in the first episode, I know we saw Pike with his girlfriend on Earth, but if it was Kirk in the situation when they went to the planet, Kirk, Kirk could have slept with the president. <laughs> and there would be three women coming out that room. <laughs> oh, which one was it I watched the other day? I, I, I keep trying to revisit season three of the original series because... You know, it's not the best season of the original series. It has got some all... good episodes in it there has, still. But it's one where, it, it's certainly the season where I've rewatched it the least. So I keep thinking, yeah. I'm going to go back and watch a few. So I may, I, I may have only seen this episode once or something like that. Anyway, I watched one of them. Uh, oh, Wink of an Eye, that's it. And it, it is just that cliche of Kirk, like... It's all to do with the aliens are like working at a different temporal rate, so they're moving really fast, so nobody can see them. And 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 Kirk discovers this because they speed him up, and then the first thing she does is kisses him and goes, "I've brought you here because I like the look of you." And you just like, come on. I also love the fact the way that they figure out there's something that was like just that little noise, which I was just making. Yeah, it's just a little background like a fly. Yeah. Oh, well. That's a good one. That's a good it's, one. Yeah, it's not for season three. It's not too bad. Um, anyway, let's talk <laughs> about the new episode. So we start off then. I mentioned this to Elliot when I saw him the other day. We, it, they're talking about Starfleet Remembrance Day, and they've got these little pins that go on the mm. uniform. And Memorial I, Day, and it's time very, uh, very well because it was American Memorial Day this week. Oh, there you go. It's almost like so. It's actually been released sort of in conjunction, there's been a lot on social media, the American audience going, way we've got a Memorial Day, and so, the recognised Memorial Day with Star Trek. So the next episode then is going to be the Jubilee episode to tie in with, <laughs> um, 
with what they have the Federation presidents just celebrating their platinum jubilee. Let's do that. <laughs> anyway. it's, the un- it's it's the USS Union flag, which is just yeah. coming on the screen, and it's just like a, a starship, just like the uh, Enterprise, but it's all in Union Jack colours. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It could be the Union Jack if it's a if it's a ship. So, I still... oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's not the Union flag if it's at sea. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Still... Yeah, right, it's not the right. Union Jack if it's on land. Yeah, yep. but it will be like it's a ship. Uh, anyway, so we were talking about, do you think this is a little nod to the fact that in the original series they had different logos on the tunics? Yes. I um, love that as well. I love that in this series you've got the different kind of uh, logos. Yeah, I, I think it was a, a nod to what they did in the original series. Yeah, because, I mean, there's various different stories, but my understanding of it is that... and. I know this phrase is bandied about a lot, but I'm, I think I'm using it correctly. But Gene's original vision was that everyone was going to have the the Delta. And then it was somebody got the wrong end of the stick in the wardrobe department or something like that. And when they first had a different ship, they made the wrong tunics. But because of budget, they were stuck with it. And then it sort of became a thing that everybody... And it was just headcanon you know it was it was fan yeah it, it it was fan assumptions that were made because we didn't have as much media then as we do now and there wasn't an official star trek twitter account to go out and say no actually and um, so it was always assumed that oh no back in the original series days the delta was the enterprise's logo and there were different logos everywhere else then because the enterprise was so successful in its five-year mission they adopted it for all the starfleet by the time we get to the movies yeah but apparently that wasn't the original intention. And so when they've gone back and they've done Discovery and now Strange New Worlds, they've gone, you know what, it's it's just the Delta. Everybody knows that. And so talking w- about the, with the Delta, you're talking about the, like, uh, the, the badge, Starfleet yeah? badge, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, I, sorry, I thought, am I getting confused here? Sorry, I, I, are you talking about the different kind of, like, symbols within it? So no, no, yeah, I'm talking, uh, no, I'm talking about... Some of them were Delta's... When they, they had were, all sorts of different badges. Yeah, when they met other ships, like in, for example, yeah. um, the Doomsday Machine, they go to whichever ship it, ship it is with Commodore Decker. The, the Constellation. They don't have the the Delta. They have a different icon stitched into the tunics. Oh, okay. And yeah, I, I, I thought you meant the kind of symbols within the, the no, thing. No, like, for different, that, so yeah. you've got in medical and everything in the original series, which they yeah, copied him. They, they have I saw, that, I've got you yeah. So, I, but what they say at the start of this episode is we wear these badges and it has the symbol of our old ships in them and we do it as a a remembrance thing. And I just wondered if it was sort of a... Sort of kind a of, nod. I think it's a bit of a nod. Yeah, yeah just to go, look, we're aware that they used to do that but we've retconned it and we're just going to roll with it. So, you know. Yeah. Also, what they do in this episode, and I, I don't think I've noticed it on the other episodes so far, is what while we're talking about the different looks and everything, you've got um, number one wearing a slightly different uniform to everyone else. And I love it when they throw in a, a random different uniform. Yeah. It's um, just got the black stripes on the side. And, yeah. and it, it reminds me of this old sketch, which I used to do for um, Smith & Jones. And they'd have this, uh, it was like Nazi Germany, and you'd have this one guy behind the desk, and some guy comes in and goes, um, I am the guy who will uh, act perfectly normally for most of the time, then I will get suddenly very angry. Mm. 
hello, I'm the man who's got the uniform slightly different from everyone else's. It will never fully be explained why. And different people come in and it's different kind of archetypes. <laughs> yeah. This no, reminds me of that. I will have a different uniform this episode. No one will ever explain it. <laughs> well, Kirk had his, his green wraparound thing, yeah. didn't he? Which, and you uh, got um, uh, Picard had his Picardigan, which was slightly different with ru- rubber epaulets. Epil- yeah, yeah. When he was in the uh, Dharma and Janada Tanagra episode. Yeah, he rocked that for a little bit in season five, didn't he? No, there's only one episode where it looks like that though, because he's got the kind of like it's like the top top looks like it's made out of rubber or something. It's just slightly different to every other yeah. episode. Yeah, it's. I think it was. And it, never explained. It ends. Probably because of the action scenes and stuff. I think it was something, from what I remember, I think Patrick Stewart was like, I want a cool jacket. And they were like... For just well, one episode. Yeah, you can have one for one episode and then <laughs> then that's it. I don't know. I just love... I, for some reason, I love that when they just throw in a random different uniform. Yeah. And yeah, number one does have a, a slightly different one. I think I didn't mention this last week, actually, but the, she had a jacket on... Uh, well, they all did when they were down on the planet last week, and they kind of reminded me of the jackets from the cage that the landing party had special yeah, jackets. Yeah, they did me, but they looked a bit, a bit more better tailored. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah it's very, very reminiscent of the cage uniform. Yeah, I, I do love the which cut. Which makes sense. Mm. Yeah, and I love the cut, the, the main uniforms, the cut of them. <laughs> they're, they're so true to the original series, but just slightly modernised. It, it's nice. It's yeah. Really well done. Yeah, they're similar to the Kelvin ones, but not completely the same. And yeah, you know what? It's just to bankrupt cosplayers, isn't it? It's like you've got <laughs> you've got your TOS one, you've got your Kelvin one. You know what? You can't use either you of them a now. Strange New Worlds one. You've got thirty Star Trek uh, like original series kind of era captains, and they've yeah. all got a different uniform oh, cosplayed. I remember <laughs> the first Star Trek convention I went to. At the opening ceremony, I was sat behind these two guys, and this was, it was around the time Voyager had just launched, um, and obviously DS9 was still running, TNG had just finished, and there was a guy sat there, one of them had a TNG uniform on, and one of them had a DS9 uniform on, and the um, DS9 guy sort of looks over at the TNG guy, and he goes... Your uniform's a bit out of date, isn't it? And the bloke sort of goes, <laughs> what, what are you on about? And he goes, I think you'll find that that went out of service in um, 2364, whereas, you know, this is 2365 vintage. And I was like, oh, no. Please say at that moment, someone with the uh, later Next Generation movie uniforms came up and go, sorry you were saying. Yeah, oh, that would have been good. But no, so... That wasn't the best sort of experience of a first convention because you think, oh, wow, all the jokes that people make about conventions are actually true, and it is actually <laughs> quite scary. Anyway. Um, so, so you mean your first contact mission? Yeah, my first contact <laughs> mission didn't go so great. Um, so Hema then. We get Hema and Ahura, and there's this thing. They seem to be doing this building on the, the Ahura episode where... She's not sure sort of how she fits in and everything. And I like the fact that Hemard's very kind of, oh, I'm not sure you're up to this. And she shows how intelligent she is straight away. You know, he says, you couldn't possibly know this, that and the other. And then she reels off all these. Yeah, all the details of what it is. And I like that. And again, I, I do feel like 
this version of a horror has definitely taken some of its cues from the Kelvin films in that we're presenting a horror very much as like a, a child prodigy genius level, yeah. which doesn't contradict what we saw in the original series. It's just that we never did that much with her in terms of background, and I'm yeah. really enjoying it. I, I think, think that the, I think that what they're doing is when the original series was made, they did as much as they would, could get away mm. with with a black actress, yeah, in that role. And that was, as, and they did as much as they possibly could. And all we're seeing now is, this is the flagship of the federation that only the best get to serve on. So how did she get to serve on the Enterprise? Mm -hmm. She had I, to be one of the best. I think you've also got to square the circle of like how women were written, even when Roddenberry was trying to make it as pro progressive as possible. There were certain limits, like you say, mm. that, that yes. were put on him. But it's like, how do you make it true to that kind of uh, version we saw later, but kind of modernise it a little bit? And I think they've done a great job here and in the Kelvin timeline, but it, they're kind of different takes. So in the Kelvin timeline, mm. it seems like she already had all her shit together. She was already good to go. Whereas in this version, she's a young cadet. She's still finding her feet. She's still working yeah. out where she fits in it. And that's really cool. Again, I did feel like they made her a little bit too quippy and a bit too, like, um, modern-day parlance. Yeah. So, like, uh, her for the win. It's like, really, for the win's going to survive that long? Yeah, um, I did think that as well. I was like, that's... Uh, I, I can't imagine Michelle Nichols delivering that line. No. Um, I mean, if that's the worst we can say, fair enough. Yeah. I, I just would like to lose a few of these kind of, like, uh, very, very specific 21st century language. That's bits. the thing, because that will date it quicker than anything yeah, very else. quickly. And, yeah, and I've said it before, they were so good with the original series at not dating. Like, the language they use is pretty mm. general. Every now and again, there's something, but it's like, really, it's more of an attitude than the phrasing they use. They never use pop culture slang there. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I think, again, it's, it dates it so badly. If you're going to make up your own slang like they did with Fracken in um, uh, Battlestar Galactica, yeah. make something up, chuck it in. But yeah, you're right. It's maybe it'll just be one of them things. It'll be like you know, well, you know, in the early twenty three sixties, we went through a late twenty first century resurgence. There were there was a lot, there were a lot of retro TV shows being shown and things like that. And <laughs> okay, let, let's let's build on the head canon that I, I established That's last it. week. So the, yeah. the the Helms um Helms woman. Sorry, I can't remember her name. Ortegas, she uh, studies 21st century uh, pop culture and she's been talking to her a lot. She's That's been, the, uh, yeah, she's been getting yeah. a horror around and saying, right, let's watch some stuff. Have you seen the new, well, have you seen the old new episodes of Stranger Things? Here we go. And then, therefore, on the Enterprise, Kate Bush has got to number one again because of a horror <laughs> watching Stranger Things, which had the Kate Bush song, and there you go, it all ties together. Perfect. Um, building on Lan as well, we get a little bit more with her. Like she doesn't want to wear a pin, and she doesn't want any help. And I'm wondering, yeah. is this finally going to be when we're going to address mental health properly? Like we danced around with it in Discovery, we danced around PTSD. We no, that. we didn't even dance around it. The sort of tease that we were going to get it, and I mean. then she got better. And then we didn't yeah. commit to it. <laughs> It was the biggest insult to, to mental health work, the fact that in just, like, one dinner party, it's like, that went badly. I forgive you all. Everything's fine now. It's like, yeah. that mental health kind of work is a long process. It's long and painful, and it should not be insulted <coughs> by uh, playing away, especially in a format 
which then like is is like it's a long form story. If anything, you could excuse it more in Strange New Worlds mm. as episodic for just handling something in one episode. Yeah. But they're taking the time to have on-running themes within these standalone episodes, and I think it's much better for it. Yeah, and no, I'm wondering if, you know, we are going to do that with Lan, because she's obviously got, you know, issues from when the Gorn ate all the family, which, fair enough. Yeah, you can understand why you would. You can indeed. And, yeah, the the sort of hitting it here, like she's saying... And I think it makes sense that she doesn't want to wear the badge at the beginning. It does. She doesn't want reminding. Yeah, but I think there's also, you know, the fact that she does put it on at the end, it's it, it's sort of symbolic of uh, dealing to an extent yeah. with that part of her past. And Mind you, I mean, the only thing I'd add to that is, like, when she didn't wear the badge at the beginning, it was so obvious that she'd be wearing it in the end. It kind yeah. of would have been interesting. It's like, um, maybe next year I'll be able to wear that. Maybe if they'd done something slightly different, mm. would have been interesting. That's yeah. the only thing I'd add. But I, I liked it as it was. I, I don't always mind something I which think, I know is going to happen. I think TV, you, when you... They've set if, the if it's something out, like Star Trek, sometimes it is, can be quite comforting if something that you mm. expect to happen happens. Well, so, yeah. This is where we go back to this is episodic. So yeah. you do get these wrap-ups in an episode. You do. And we're going to have to... And, and we wanted episodic TV, and we're going to have to get used to what happens in episodic TV again, that these sort yeah. of things do wrap up. Yeah, and and that, they've done quite that, a good job. Like of... we're gonna have we're gonna have love affairs that mm. are gonna be over by the end of it, and the move on, no problem. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I think they are very successfully hanging their cake and eating it too. So yeah. they're kind of like they they'll do some wrap ups in the episode of that individual kind of setup payoff. But you'll also have like yeah, but she has screwed up from her experiences. That's not going to get solved in one episode. Yeah, that's going to be a long time thing, which um, is great. I like that they do seem to be dealing with it like that so far, but you know what? This isn't a good week for her in terms of post-gone <laughs> traumatic disorder because they only find a big massacre down on the planet and it's there's a lot in this one about like the gone and what their tactics are and how they lure people in and things and I like all like the setup to it is like they they damage this ship, so they have to use the docking port, and oh, it's because of the the type of shielding, isn't it? And then they realise that oh, we can't raise the shields because we've got this the docking ports out. Yeah, and that's when the gone attack that's when so the most nice. vulnerable. But Lan realises it's gone. Yes, she, she does. She realises what's happening. She sort of puts two and two together, and from yeah. experience, I know what's happening, and and it's. It's obvious that, like, there's no record of how the god attack because people mm. don't survive. Yeah, and 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 it also seems like really credible that she would have given certain reports and stuff. But she was a kid when it happened, so yeah. there wouldn't yeah. be a detailed report on her experiences necessarily. And this is one where it does tread very carefully to not break canon because in arena they say we've never seen the gone and in this episode they explain why it's like well because everyone has seen him gets eaten so yeah but you yeah. can still uh, have seen a gone ship and not seen a gone so it's not yeah. like you know, in tn uh sorry enterprise where they brought the ferengi in and i also want to ask was gone. it just me who and never really gone. considered the gone as a specifically spacefaring kind of thing i just no. I, i've always because of the original series i always considered them like they attack you on land, like that's just. But it was a lovely kind no, of. No, because um, they were having the the chase in space, weren't they? 
and they they were struggling to keep up. You didn't see the ship though, did you? In the original series, not in the yeah before they but, remastered it. Oh, no. so at the beginning, at the beginning, is there? Yeah, a, a, yeah it's ah, gone okay. ship. I've, it's but been a while. They, the, yeah, the, they are battling in space, but you don't see it on screen. And the, you just sort of have what's said on the bridge. I, like you say, I'm not sure in the remaster. They, they've done in it there. in the remaster, and what they've done is in the remaster, they went off the original sort of concept sketches of this is what the gone ship would have looked like if we'd have had any budget for it. <laughs> <coughs> and the, what we see in this episode is a variation on that, so it's very yeah. consistent with what the gone was oh, supposed to look like. And- the way it was designed to sort of like just spin and kind of just go through stuff, it seems yeah. so kind of so consistent with what the species are as well. Yeah. And it's just really nice. So the setup then, and this is where it starts getting very Wrath of Khan, is after the initial attack, they say, right, well, we'll go into the gravity well of the brown dwarf, and what that'll do is it'll knacker all the sensors and everything like that, but it'll put the gone in the same position. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's great. It's it's always a good setup for the episodes because you do get the... I mean, they described it, didn't they, as submarines in space, and that is what... Which is balance of tower. Yeah. Terror, it's, sorry. It, it's also, like, a nice play on the idea that, like, usually it would be a comet or something they'd hide in. This time it's a... a, a, a Black hole's gravitational well, uh, which is a brown, a brown dwarf's gravitational well. Well, brown dwarf, which, which then goes into a black, black hole. hole. Yeah, yeah, the, I was yeah. extrapolating to what they go to later, but you know, I, exactly right. And um, yeah, just talking about the black hole, and they did. This isn't the first time they've done it. They did do it in Discovery as well. But I love the fact that when we're showing black holes now, we're showing them what they actually look like because it, it was only within sort of the last year that we actually got the first last real photo years, yeah. of a black hole. And, yeah. you know, we've had various sci-fi interpretations of what they might look like, but now it's like, oh, we actually know what they look like, so there it is. Uh, and, and also the submarine, submarine parallel is perfect because, like, at great depths you can get compressed and this yeah. the, the results of the black hole, can, or, you know, the sorry, brown dwarf, which going towards the black hole can compress. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's all yeah. a very clever yeah. setup. And then we get the sort of disaster starship down elements of it, which is Hemmer and Ahura are trapped in the shuttle bay. And he's broke his hand. And the makeup department has been exemplary so far. But when he's broke his hand, it does look a little bit more selector because they've made this huge big. <laughs> hand that's just sort of dangling and it's a, it's a little bit daft but again her though doesn't use her like massive strength she uses her wits though so she kind of goes on the back and kind of uses her feet to lever it it's it's kind of all nicely set up as well yeah there's no ridiculous feat of human strength that she suddenly gets or something like that no, she just and, uses her brains and again like this is a sort of a classic trope where you've got the one character who's very reserved, doesn't really like talking to people, and you put them in a situation where they have to, and that opens up the character a little bit more. So, yeah, again, every TV show's done that, but it's good, it's interesting to do it with these two characters. And we You can also see with Henna that, that he could be a great um, mentor to her. Yeah. Because her is very kind of like confident and very kind of, uh, you feel like there's streetwiseness to her later on. And, you know, she she isn't afraid to speak her mind. 
Whereas this is a very shy version of her. And I can picture him being the one who gets her there. Yeah, yeah. And it does build on, again, they are doing really good with little subtle character arcs. Like when we were first introduced to Emma was that with um, Ahura where she worried that she'd made a faux pas about his lack of sight. And so they've already established an almost sort of prickly relationship between the two of them. And yeah. they're developing that, which is which is really good. And it, it does show how, even though we are doing episodic, it has you changed. You can still build a story. Yeah. Like back in the 60s and even the 80s, to you know, with TNG and things to an extent, the character dynamics would remain exactly the same from your first episode right up to your last episode. Yeah. Whereas, like you said, Squeed, they're, they're sort of having the cake and eating it here because we, we are doing character acts and we are developing the characters. But if you just happen to dip into one episode randomly, you'd still be able to watch it and enjoy it without you know realizing that oh these characters are a bit different than they were last week they've they've moved on from something and it may have been more subtle in the original series but i think there's definitely kind of progression over time just just slight you know they had to be very slight in it but you know the the relationship between spock and mccoy in series three isn't the same as in series one because like uh They've had those moments where they've had yeah. that kind of like shown care for each other, and they Plus can. Plus, those actors are getting more. to know each other. Yeah, exactly. Because they're working closer, so you've got two strangers who are given a script in the first episode mm. together, but then three years on, they've de- they've developed chemistry because they become friends in real life. Yeah, that's true. Um, right, I'm not going to dwell on it, but number one gets injured. Why didn't she just use the space magic? Because it wasn't a virus. Okay. okay. Space magic only works against viruses. Right. So, and she wasn't in close proximity to someone else or something. Yeah. So the wound won't get infected then with any nasty viruses. Of course but... it won't, because space magic. Right, that's fine. As long as, I, as long as I know. So space magic cures viruses, but not holds. Yeah. The, the main problem I've got with this storyline, with with again, I know it's jumping ahead a little bit, but it's when she goes, um, uh, "Give the blood to her." That's an order. It's like, well, the, this is the one situation where that yeah. doesn't matter. There's an order because it's yeah, doctor, where the doctor, doctor overrules you. That pissed me off. I don't know why. They're just that one moment. I'm like, but the doctor can outrank. Like, it's, it's a classic Star Trek thing. Yeah, of the doctor is, outranking yeah. the you know. But it's also a classic example of Star Trek where. The doctor overrides, but a commanding officer, when it comes to treating, always yeah. pa- passes on and gives the order. I just so, wanted the one line where it was like, um, you know, I could overrule that order, but I'll respect you. You yeah, know, just something um, like that. Yeah. Yeah, well... It was no nerd within me. The doctor can overrule the captain if they feel that they're impaired medically, but can they force treatment on someone if they refuse it? I'm not, not sure. Not force treatment. No. When she, no, no, but her order was to give the blood to someone else. Rather so than she order him to, to do a medical procedure on someone else. But uh, that's know, also I, saying I'm refusing the blood. Yeah, because so that, that was they could, why. Yeah, they could, have, they could have basically done a bit of a workaround where it's like, um, you know, I could refuse to, to give it to her. Yeah, but I can refuse to take it. Yeah, they could have done yeah, you're right. It doesn't quite land perfectly. There's a couple... again a minor quibble, really. Yeah, I know. The, 
there's a couple of moments in this episode where the, there is almost a bit of foreshadowing and a bit of sort of dramatic irony. And one of them's Lan is talking to Pike and she says, well, they're gone. They can't be re- they're kind of like the Terminator, you know, they can't be reasoned with, they will not stop and all this They're business. relentless. Yeah, and she says there's no way you can do diplomacy or anything like that. But obviously we've seen Arena and we know that Kirk kind of does. They come to sort of an understanding and a respect for each other in Arena. You know, he, he has that thing where, you know, we we I can almost call him a friend and, you know, mm. things like that. So... I think no, there's... May, maybe oh, this lays the... Yeah, track. but Kirk had Kirk food him into he that. He had Kirk food and he'd shot <laughs> him with... Kirk a, food him into submission. And he'd shot I, him with a bazooka he made out of bamboo, which is pretty <laughs> impressive. And, and maybe there is something to this that uh, the Gorn have met them in, in a space battle here. And it's through these kind of like... And we're obviously... I, I think this is my prediction is that the Gorn are going to be the Klingons of the original series or the kind of uh, Borg of Next Generation mm. and, and Voyager, Kardashians of DS9 and all these other parallels. I think this is going to be the where, recurring villain. Where to and, be fair with my, my case, so, so Just quickly, though. My case is that because of this battle and future battles we're going to see, that's going to be the respect that's going to build... Of the Gorns for the um, for the Starfleet's um, uh, tactical abilities, yeah. and that's why when they meet Kirk, they they respect their uh, tactical abilities, and he proves that once again, and that's why they become friends. I was about to say that makes sense that the Gorn would become a recurring vil- villain, even if we don't see them, because how Arena starts, they're having a pitched battle. Yeah, yeah. The Enterprise, the Enterprise goes in to try to save another crew that's having a pitched battle with the Gorn. Well, so there obviously is a lot of other battles happen, and they've set them up so well for it. For it now, you know, they're just in these few episodes. They've set up they're the big badass. They killed like her, her people, like and her family and everything. So yeah, they're ripe to be. Uh, and this really be shows them being relentless as well. It does. Yeah, and that's the other bit of sort of foreshadowing oh. is at the end, you have. Pike say, well, don't worry, we'll be ready for them next time. It's like, well, you won't, because I'm pretty sure it's a sneak attack in Arena that um, kicks off that episode. (laughs) So I get you were trying to make her feel better, Pike, but... uh, No, no, Pike will be ready. Kirk, maybe not so much. (laughs) He should have left a note, like, you know, be ready for the gone. You know, like no, happened. no, no, and classic um, uh, Kirk, he comes on the bridge, kind of sits down, he's eating like a, a chicken wing or something, like just uses a note to wipe off the hot sauce. Yeah. Right, let's get into battle. <laughs> and again, a little bit more with Lan, like um, Pike sort of is talking to her about a lack of emotion and everything like that. And he says, yeah, well, that's fine, but you're acting as first officer now and you have to have a relationship with the crew. So you need yeah. to, if you want to be a good officer, that's something you need to work on. And I really like that, that he's not, he's not hypercritical of her on a personal level, but he's also practical in that if you want to do that job, you need but to... But that's also uh, mentoring, mentoring her a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's exactly uh, the word uh, I was you're, thinking. You're new in the first officer's role. Yeah, you've, you're a very capable officer, but there's more to it than just being capable. And he's teaching her that little bit. Yeah. And and it's a wonderful kind of like, uh, again, another differentiator between him and Kirk. So Kirk, 
is is kind of this great action captain, but Pike is more of a mentor. He will he can do the job himself, but he would rather mm. teach someone a lot of the time. Yeah, Kirk yeah. never really had to do any well, work developing a first officer because he had Spock. So he was he was well, he also, he also Kirk's talked also to a much younger. Kirk's also a much younger captain. Yeah, true. Yeah. Who has a who has like I don't know what age Pike's meant to be in this. But I'd say he's probably meant to be with the grey hair and now we know the age later. He's got to be aimed in his fifties in this series. Yeah. So he's got a lot more life experience. Yeah. And a lot more experience of being a captain. Kirk is still a new captain at mm. this point. Pike's already done one, two, five year missions in the Enterprise. Yeah. But I'd even go so far as to say, like, when you get to uh, Kirk in the movies and, and even in the last movies, he more is a lead by example and you will learn by watching me. Whereas I, I think, again, and obviously we can't separate out the writing styles of the time. No. I think the mentoring captain is more in keeping with how you'd write someone now. So, like, yeah, Pike yeah. Is, it's great. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, like, you know, you look, okay, Kirk had Spock. That was absolutely fine. Then he had Decker as his exo in the motion picture. That didn't go so well. So, yeah, he's, he's not the greatest <laughs> well, at training he, up for... Well, he found a way to get rid of him pretty sharp. Yeah. It was, so he had uh, someone... So he had Spock back for two, three, four, five, and six. Yeah. Um, I love the bit where Spock does whatever he does to make a radar. And they do explain it. But I, I just really it, like when it, it shows it's how It's sort of like... Um, what was it? It was scanning for, it's sort of like part of the gas, oh, it's for um, keeping it orientated. Yeah. On its ZYNX axis, it's how it keeps itself orientated. Yeah. And it, so he manages to use that as a way of effectively, like a red, Pike says, doesn't he, like you've turned a compass into a radar. Yeah. And I just, this is what I want from my Star Trek, is clever people doing clever things. You know, that's, yeah. that's really good. Uh, and it's really clever how he takes out the gone ship. Yeah. And, and it's like, right, we've only got one torpedo. Okay. Tilt us down, facing down, let yep. it fly under, release it now. Yeah, really. <laughs> Boom. Like that. You also get the feeling like with the um with the TV of the time of the original series, there was less kind of ready explanation of like, right, this is a science officer. He should come up with like loads of science ways mm. of getting out of scrapes and stuff. It's like the job you did was kind of almost tokenistic. It's like yeah. you're a character type. This is your yeah. character, and you're just going to play that in situations. Whereas, like, right, we've got a science officer. Let's have him doing science. Let, we've got the communications officer. Maybe she should talk about languages a little bit. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a nice um, expansion of that. And yeah, it was also with the original series. It was much more of a star-driven show. You know, it was it was the, oh, yeah, the Shatner, yeah, the Nimoy, Kelly show. And yeah. so nine out of ten it's times like, it had to be like, one of those three that came up with the solution, yeah. you know. Like now yeah. it's, we've got an ensemble, ca ensemble cast. You do not send your chief medical officer, captain and first officer together as your people on a dangerous away mission. <laughs> And I kind of love that that this is the biggest show. I, I I would say it's pretty unarguable that this is the biggest show everyone in here has been in. Whereas with the original series, you've got DeForest Kelly was a really established actor. Oh yeah, yeah. So was uh, James Doohan, and uh, like you know, uh, Shannon was probably a, a fresher face. But like these are all. But he'd, he'd been in quite a lot of stuff. He was in a lot of 
it was in a lot of shows that we were on regular. Oh, Maybe it was yeah. only one one show what in one episode, but it was a regular yeah. guest star in a lot of shows. Certainly a lot for his age, he'd done a hell of a lot. No, I'm not, yeah. I'm not arguing with that. I'm just saying it's like, you know, um, probably there was more expectation of the actor and like we knew yeah or the people of that time would have known what kind of actors they were whereas these yeah. guys a lot of them mm. are kind of blank slates for us which is great yeah you didn't well back then you didn't get a role as a lead unless you had a proven track record no that's it exactly you, you had to be already recognized as a how in the household I mean, it's like my my favorite uh thing with doctor who is when like we don't know who the actor is mm. really going in and like you know i've I watched some of the guy, uh, the stuff with uh, Cutty, uh, who's the new dog too. Watched Sex Education with him in, but that's the only one I know him from. So I think that's there's a lot kind of like in, yeah. new performances I can see from him, which I'll never expect from that. From that, yeah, guy. it'll be great. Um, so yeah, they're gone. They've done this. They wanted them to. It shows the ruthlessness that you talked about. Yeah, they wanted them to do it so they could find where they were. Yeah, they've, they've let an entire ship of crew get. The, killed and destroyed just to locate them <laughs> but then Pike yeah. has that clever thing as well of he draws them in because she uh lands told him how relentless they are and it's like right well we'll see they'll get drawn in and they'll get destroyed and i love there's a couple of times in this episode where pike just sort of says i've got faith in the ship you know enterprise will enterprise yeah. can stand yeah. it she can do it and i really like that stuff there's also yeah, a great I, line with Spock where Pike says, he says, you've made the right decision. And Pike says, well, why doesn't it feel like it? And he says, for the same reason you did it, because you value people's life. And I'm like, that's Yes! <laughs> yes! Oh, I was air-punching in that scene. And that was just after they had to seal off the um, yeah. deck. And you literally see, like, the um, transporter guy who we've come to know and love already. Yeah. He gets pushed out, and another guy just has to die. Like, it's... Yeah. Again, this is what I mean about stakes. Like, there were, um, you know, you'd hear about crew members in the original series, Next Generation, who died off screen kind of thing. Or you'd see kind of like, you wouldn't see someone literally running towards like mm. the exit or pushing someone through, knowing that they're not going to make it. It was so... So this, is again, that, actually, is that, is that our first death on Strange New Worlds? I think it might well be. Um, so the tally is one blue shirt. The other yeah. shirts are okay so far. Well, I know yeah. seven die in this episode, but we don't see the shirt colour of the other ones. So you get a really big payoff. You get a wonderful Spock line, which is very reminiscent of future lines yeah. he'll deliver, not only in the series, but the movies. It's like, uh, you don't judge what you had to, what you always did, put the needs of others yeah, before yeah. the needs of yourself. It, it, that's, that's that line, basically. It's just yeah. great. And they, they want to go off in a shuttle, and he says, take the Galileo. And again, dramatic irony coming Galileo. in. Yeah, even though <laughs> Spock's on it. So we know Spock's going to be okay. But as soon as it says Galileo, you're like, well, it's not going to get too rough then because we know the Galileo's all right. Until... <laughs> they could have named another shuttlecraft the Galileo later, but as soon as they said yeah. Galileo, I was just, that's just pretty huge smart. Like just these little references that put yeah. a smile on your face. And then this is where we get the, the mind meld then. And again, I like this idea that the, the kind of skirting round cannon and things like that, because you get a bit where Lance says, well, I've heard what Vulcans can do. And that implies that it's not common knowledge that they can do this mind melt. Yeah. It's not something that's openly discussed, which yeah. is very much how it's presented when it's introduced in the original series. Obviously, in the years since then, 
everybody Everyone knows in that way, you know. Yeah. But... And every time you say it's dangerous, but there's zero casualties from this. Yeah, true. Um, oh, but but again, this was a really nice moment of uh, for everything I've said before about Spock's uh, emotions and stuff in Strange New Worlds. This I really enjoyed, like the fact the emotional bleed we've already established long since is is a result of my building. Yeah. And so this was nice. When Lan says, oh, you had a sister, uh, but it's classified, and Spock just says, yes, it is. We're ending this mind meld now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think they've ever so kind of like um, straightforwardly said that, right, yeah, according to the database, Burnham never existed at all. <laughs> like, yeah, know, basically, he has no sister. Yeah, I know they said classify it, but it's like that serious levels uh, classification. Yeah, and that justifies that. the the um, original series and the movies where he never oh. mentions his sister again. Yeah, she basically never exists as far as we're concerned now. So that kind of squares that circle very nicely. I love yeah. little kind of things which explains like that. Yeah, like you, I thought when they said classified, it's like I thought the mission was classified. Yeah, they'll just I thought classify they were just going to say the they died in some sort of mysterious circumstance. Not that they, yeah, those people never existed. Yeah, we literally. Oh, you remember Michael Burnham? We used to serve with. Right. Don't remember nope. her at all. Don't nope. know what you're talking about. You that... know, she started that war with the Cleons. I'm drawing a blank. And that's why <laughs> in the Tholian web, when Spock says there has never been a mutiny in Starfleet, he's technically telling the truth because it's all been covered up. And Yeah, it's great. And we can head canon as well. It's probably Ash Tyler as the head of um, Section 31 that's done all this cover-up and things. And he's yeah. like... Right, while yeah, we're how at how he raised the minds of every Klingon who served in that war. That's well, genius. Yeah, he'll be like, well, while we're at it, we're going to take out this bit about me turning out to be a Klingon sleeper agent. Forget about that. The, none of that happened. You know that plague where they kind of, like, get rid of the foreheads? Like, we'll just engineer into that, like, a memory wipe as well. It'll be fine. Yeah, that's it. It'll sigh all out. Uh, and then the way they trick the Gorn is really good. So the purpose of the mind meld is that she works out Gorn Morse code effectively. Yeah. And it, they they trick it by saying, oh, humans have taken over this ship, and that gets the Gorn to destroy it, which, yeah, again... That's, that's the third one gone, so there's the, only the big mothership. The left. only thing, the only trick they missed there was to send not to send it to both ships. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, oh, there's humans on that ship. Oh, there's humans on that ship. You can at least weaken the bigger ship first. Mm, yeah, they could have done. You know what? They were thinking spur of the moment. We'll let them off. Yep. yep. So genius. And they have little... got it down to one against one now from yeah. the four against one. And, there's yeah. a... and that's why they're pretty smashed up as well. Well, definitely, yeah. There's a little bit more about Hemmer as well. Like they talk about, I don't remember this from when they were introduced in Enterprise, but I'm willing to bet it was mentioned in that. that... The ANR uh, are all pacifists, and he says, well, I'm a pacifist, but I can still defend the Federation, even if I can. Yeah, I like that. So um, I presume that will we'll play that out. It's now that we're seeing yeah. that we're planting these seeds for things later. I One think of my favourite gonna... things in Enterprise was actually with the Doctor, when they had Phlox, um when he, uh, his model... His medical ethos wasn't the Hippocratic oath. It was mm. about the patient's choice being paramount. Yeah. And it was that kind of like, you know, how do you uh, live with these two philosophies in, in one area? Mm. And I feel like that this was very similar to that. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it works very nicely. Pike's plan to escape then, and this goes back to what you were saying as well about how we're using a science officer as a science officer. Because you have Pike, who... He's the captain, so he doesn't know all the technicalities of everything. So he says to Spock, oh, what's that thing about black holes where they do that thing? You know, and and then Spock is your science <laughs> officer, and he goes, well, it's this, 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 and this, which that's really good. That that shows him being a good captain. It's like, I don't know. I, I've got something in the back of my head about this that I've read in a textbook. You tell me well, what it actually I, is. It, yeah, the, the only way you could have all... got any better... Is yeah, if they'd they actually have all used... these specialists. Yeah. Yeah, Jim, the only way it could get any better is if he'd actually used the word thing. Oh, you know, the thing which does the thing. Come on. Yeah, and no, he actually says, tell me about the red matter accretion <laughs> vector. Or so, you know, Pike's got it a little bit more than I have. But... No, I would have just loved him to have a moment. It's like, oh, the thing, you know, remember the thing which is in the report from Starfleet last month? Oh, you mean about, and then he explains it flawlessly. So and that gets back to like Rimmer in Red Dwarf. It's all you could have a running joke where Pike keeps getting it wrong. Like, yeah, tell me about Starfleet the directive. Yeah, t- tell me about the the accretion data of the black hole thing that means you can make it look like you've been blown up. Oh no, 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 that's the accretion thing of a a white nebula. The the, the accretion <laughs> data of a brown dwarf will destroy the ship instantly, Captain. And Pike's just damn right. And he has to come up with somewhere else every time. Um, but his plan, yeah, basically, they're going to jettison the cargo. It's going to look like it's blown up. And because of the time dilation, it's going to look like it's ongoing. And that'll give him a chance to escape. Yeah. And Ortega says, yeah, we'll call this the Pike Maneuver. If and it works. If it works. <laughs> and it's that... Yeah, because there's a chance he could go into spaghettification. <laughs> That's because he copped for how jealous he was that she had her own evasive manoeuvres. So she's like, I'll yeah. give the captain a bone here. We'll let him call this the, the <laughs> Pike Manoeuvre. And yes, Pike, uh, Pike makes a nice little speech and everything, a very sort of stirring Captain Picard speech, like this will be our finest hour and everything. But then you have the jeopardy that you've still got um, Henna and Uhura trapped in the cargo bay. Yeah. But... Yeah, no, that was nice. Yeah, again, it's like, I, I know Uhura's fine. I know she appears yeah. in the original Yeah. Time, yet still, I felt <laughs> tense. That's how good this writing is. Unless they you do something like, which series was it? Was it was it Smallville? where they, I think it was. They brought Jimmy Olsen in and then they killed him. And yeah. Then, then they said, "Oh no, it's his cousin who's called Jimmy as well, and he he gets the same job." Oh, and really? he, it was something yeah. like that. That might not be. Oh, yeah. I, I lost Smallville about halfway through. But yeah, that, that's yeah, probably yeah. They killed off Jimmy Olsen in Smallville. Yeah, and but it was only his cousin. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, as long as they don't do something like that with a horror, we'll be all right. Um, and you know, going back to like how far we've come on with effects and stuff. We couldn't have done in the original series a depressurized shuttle bay and people having to put on environmental suits. And, you know, it's just great yeah. that you can do things like that now. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and then we wrap up. You know, we talked about it a little bit. And Pike says we'll be ready for them. Mm-hmm. Tell the colony on um, Sestus 3. Henna passes there uh, on a engineering whatever it yeah. was competency i like the idea that these are maybe going to be mentor and mentee sort of thing i, I yeah. think that's um 
that could be a really good dynamic that we're going to set up there. And I just need a deleted scene from the original series episode where they meet the girl of like a uh, spot coming up to Kurt going like, actually, we didn't meet the girl before. Captain Pike had some wonderful insights just in this report. Now, I haven't got time for reports. We've got to blast them out of the skies. Yeah, go away. Oh, perfect, I'm, Kirk. I'm going to make a bazooka out of some reeds. Shut up, Scott. <laughs> and coal and sulfur. <laughs> I, all I'm saying is Kirk didn't get to be the youngest uh, captain in Starfleet by reading reports. No, you don't read Federation history. And, uh, <laughs> it it kind of does fit with who he is that you might not have read all the reports. <laughs> no, <laughs> you don't need to. He's a well, the god. Nobody's ever seen him. I don't need to read this report. We're talking about <laughs> Captain Pike. He was really burned by it, though. It's in the Academy. He was in the middle of reading his case study for his dissertation was the um, voyages of the USS Discovery. And then he was just about to hand in his dissertation and they went, what's this, Kirk? This is bollocks. You've made up a ship here. Yeah. <laughs> never, never happened. Never heard of it. No, but, but yesterday you said I were on for a, a first degree pass for me. No, sorry. This is, Where's your citations? You go find it in database. Don't exist, mate. Back to the drawing board with you, Kirk, and that's that's why you don't read logs anymore. It's like they'll probably disappear. I mean, I, I should know because my brother like is, is due to be working on a ship with the, with his brother with her brother. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, this is just fan fiction. You've brought in Captain Pike now to try and justify it. What are you doing? There was no Captain Locker who turned out to be. What's a mirror universe, Kirk? <laughs> Everyone knows Captain Lorca died in a mission previously. Yeah, go away. Anyway, so yeah, that's pretty much the end of the episode then. Um, who do we think then it'll be about next week? And I have to sit this one out again because I've seen the episode title and it... Yeah, it's fair to I've say I've not even managed to watch this away. episode twice yet. Because no, I've actually. hardly got any of me equipment because... So, I've got stuff happening. What did we? I think. Uh, what I did think we guess? Union Saint. I think. I think we all got it wrong last week, didn't we? Because well, yeah. I said Hemmer. Yeah, it was not. You cannot argue that this was, was a Hemmer centric episode. That, that was, no, but I can argue that it was a bit. That it was. It maybe was a Hemmer centric episode, but it definitely had more had a Hemmer storyline in it. It all did. Right. Oh, well, it in was, that case, I'll, I'll it definitely had. Spock, then. Would Spock this be the same plot? plot? Would this be the C plot or the B plot? I'd say the B plot. I think the grasp of the straws. Grasp of the straws. The A plot was the A plot was ensemble. I would say. <laughs> yeah. And the. Oh, would you not give this one to Lan? Lan, I think. I think. She she was the featured player in the ensemble. Exactly. Oh, I think that's what we're always arguing is who is the featured player. It's, okay, it's, yeah. it's, it's always going to be an ensemble. But, but I wouldn't say this is a LAN episode. Like, you know, I'm thinking of like in TNG when it was a Geordie episode. All you'd get were Geordie. Yeah. For the whole episode. Okay. And, uh, and it'd I be would crap argue. if it were a Geordie. Yeah, when it turned into a silly sort of. I don't even know what sort of creature black with oh. blue lights on. Yeah, I think I think our argument is though, or our our um our thing when we're doing this at the end of the episode is like who's either going to be the the episode it's centered around okay. or the future player. All it's right, one of, yeah. you know, none of us. I think you've Lan. got to say Lan, but none of us I guessed think, that last week. So yeah, I think Lan Lan's had it twice now. Yeah, uh, well, you know, one and a half at very least. So I, I'm I'm going to double down on. I think they're going to want to go for a Spock episode. Spock episode. I'm going to go with an Artegas. 
I'll take us. Okay. That um, could be good. I can reveal now that from my knowledge of what the episode's called, I think one of you is right, but I'm not going to say which one. So Excellent. Do, 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 there we do, go. Do, do, do. So that's for next week anyway. Um, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, we're at RetrekPod on Twitter, emails RetrekPod at gmail.com, or search for Retrek on Facebook and come and join us on the, the group. Dr. Squee, you've got your radio show coming up next week. Yes, uh, I know I've actually ended up saying this one come three times now, I think, but we, we are definitely going to go alo alo this next week. We just had our, um, our Bond Girls episode, which was rather fun. Yeah. I don't know if I've told the story on here, but I did rather enjoy when I went on stage and I again introduced the Bond Girls. They came out and they go, oh, where do you want us to sit? And like this was onto Mike. So I was like, hey, ladies, as long as I'm surrounded by Bond Girls, I don't care which order it's in. <laughs> So, I thought um, you were yeah, going to say something much more distasteful there. So well done for controlling yourself. I kept it classy. One of them did say actually, like about how they got the um, uh, got the role as the Bond girl. They said, "Look, I will say it wasn't by the casting couch." I go, "Nope, that's how I got this panel, though." So mm. thank you. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So we're going to do our lower low panel this week. We did all female artists as our kind of theme mm-hmm. of the music of the week. And so next week, I'm going to go all male artists. Please do get your questions. Okay, so check that out. And um, thanks for trekking with us this time. We will see you next time on The Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hello, OP.